Good morning. My name is Nate, and uh, you have to suffer through another one of my sermons. No, just kidding. Um, so, anyways, we got back last night from the marriage retreat. Woo, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Um, I've got a story, okay? Uh, as every marriage retreat has stories, well, I have my own. And um, so we had a really good time. It was a lot of fun, but we did not get much. Of, it wasn't relaxing for us. Um, when we got there, we walked in, we were so excited, no, no kids, uh, no dog, nothing to take care of but ourselves and to hang out and get time together. And um, so we walk in, we get our keys, we're so excited, we go up the room, we're like, oh yeah, no babies trying, nobody waking us up. Uh, we walk into our room, we open the door, and we're like, why is the TV on? Wait a minute, there's an open bag of chips on the dresser, what's this about? There's towels everywhere, one of the beds isn't made, they didn't clean our room. And, uh, oh, I, so I was like, oh, hot dog, we're gonna get an upgrade. We're gonna go down. We're gonna go down there. We're gonna tell him we want an upgrade. And, uh, so we get down there. This guy, I guess he was the only person, the only employee in the whole hotel. He had only been working there for two to three weeks. And they left him there on a Friday with an entirely booked hotel by himself. Um, Anyways, uh, so we're telling him what's going on, and uh, eventually he calls a manager and then tells us, okay, my manager said I can give you clean towels and a trash bag, and you guys can go clean your own room before you stay in it. And we're like, uh, no, we're not going to do that. So anyways, we end up bunking with my brother and, uh, and Brian, my sister-in-law. So relaxation was not the greatest this weekend. We didn't get to have our own space and chill out, so... But it was a lot of fun. We had a good time. We talked a lot and had a lot of good conversations. So we've been going through this series called Signs, and um, Mike and I have been going back and forth. The first week he talked about merge. Uh, that Next week I talked about the stop sign. Last week he talked about construction sign. This week I'm talking about the yield sign. Obviously, you can see as uh, we have on the stage. Um, now, whenever you see the yield sign on the road, what is the first thought you think? Just think about that for a minute. I mean... <laughs> Stop. Option. <laughs> I can make it. Yeah. I'm going to find my way in wherever I can. Uh, I, I know whenever I did stop sign, I talked about how stop sign for me is more of a yield sign. So I was thinking, well, what does that make a yield sign? <laughs> Just a green arrow, I guess. But, um, but it's easy with yield signs to overlook them or to think they're not really that significant or it's not, it's just a suggestion or an option like you guys are saying. Um, I want to read a passage I read a couple weeks ago in Acts chapter 2, verse 22. This is what it says. People of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus from Nazareth was a very special man. God clearly showed this to you by his miracles, wonders, and signs he did through Jesus. You all know this because it happened right here among you. And guys, there's, there's times in your life, um, obviously we've got tons of signs and rules on the road. Uh, whenever we're driving, but God, God will put things in your life to remind you of His purpose, or He'll give you a sign, or a nudge, or a a push, or a shove, even um, towards His direction. So there's it's 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 important that we value these signs in our life, um, no matter what sign it may be. Um, to kind of give you guys some background on the yield sign, if you care, I don't know if you do, you may not. But the first yield sign was in Czechoslovakia in 1938. Kind of a weird fact, but it didn't come to the United States till the, till 1950. That was when the first yield sign showed up. Um, 
But I guess the, the, written, the unwritten rule or the common sense rule to yield to oncoming traffic had already been in place. So again, they had to make a sign to let people know, hey, don't be an idiot and drive in oncoming traffic. So it just seems like it's always that case. They have to make a rule up or a sign because people just don't have common sense on the road. Um, but I've got some pictures here of uh, the yield signs whenever they first came out. This is the first one in the U.S. It's kind of a weird shape, right? It's not what we're used to. Different color. Um, it says right away on it. Uh, what's the next one? First, the, this was in 1965. They finally went to a triangle. And then, in, uh, let's see, up to 1971, if you go to the next one, they took away. I guess they just thought it was too many words. I don't know. Uh, then in 1971, they finally brought, up, brought on the red one that you guys know or the one that you guys ignore. Um, so, but as I was reading, I was looking at uh, just different kinds of yield signs, and, and, and it's just research. But uh, it was interesting to me that the United States is one of only 14 countries that uses the word yield on their sign. There's 65-plus countries that don't even use that word. They use give way, which means the same thing. But this is uh, the sign from Australia. This is their first sign there. Um, the next one I've got, again, this is they're just kind of weird, right? It's a, the same shape we had before, but it's black. And this is from New Zealand. Now the next one, it's just a, it, it's blue and red, a triangle. It, I think it's funny how some countries, they don't even need words. They just say, you know, you just know what this means. You don't, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to spell it out for people. Um, the next one I've got is, is uh, from Zimbabwe. It's kind of an odd sign. They use the triangle and the circle. And then the last one I've got is um, yield to recycling. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's the yield in the, in the roundabout, right? Uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's funny that we have to use different signs and, and, and we have to yield. We have to be told to do these things in the road. Um, and in a lot of ways, it should be common sense to drive safe and not get in a big hurry, um, to yield to, un- to other cars that are coming and could get in a wreck with. Um, but I was also, something else I found was that they're, whenever they are looking for, um, at an intersection, there's four different things that they look for, and if and if one of these things is, is checkmarked, they put a yield sign in that intersection or in that area. The first thing was traffic is uh, visually compromised. And there's places in Alton you guys know of that you drive up a hill and there's like brick and you can't see around it and you, you, you don't know when anybody's coming. You have to like inch your way out very carefully. Like Sometimes your vision is, is cloudy and you can't see, so there needs to be a yield sign. Um, another thing is merging, like whenever you merge, your acceleration is inadequate. Like you have no chance to speed up fast enough um, to merge correctly. So they'll put a yield sign. They'll say, you know, be careful here. You may not want to go right when you get here. Another reason is uh, the intersection. Maybe there were some special problems that existed, whether um, people were getting hit. Kind of like a stop sign. You know, there were problems there. There were collisions that would happen, so they'll put a yield sign up. Another reason they had it was uh, at the crossroads of a divided highway. You know what I'm talking about. Whenever there's a big highway and you go to the middle and you wait for a little while and then you merge on to the way you're wanting to go. Um, but these were all put in place for safety. Um, and when you think about it, the yield sign is put there to remind you that there's other cars out there. There's other people driving just like you are. Um, but I thought it was very interesting. There, to run a yield sign is actually considered a petty crime. And you're never really given, it's very rare to be given a ticket for just running a yield sign. You're usually given a ticket because of what happened when you ran the yield sign. 
because of, of those things, whether you hit a pedestrian or a, uh, another vehicle. But whenever we're talking about yield, um, there's a lot of words that come up. And what I thought the best word, just another word for yield is surrender. Whenever you think about, whenever you yield on the road, you're surrendering the right of way to somebody else. You're saying, you know what, you, you, you can go now and then I'll, I'll find my way in. You're giving them control of the situation. You're waiting your turn. Um, so when it comes to my relationship with God, or even in life, why should I yield? Like, what's the point? I don't, like, and you're probably thinking that. Why are we even talking about yield? I don't even, I don't yield. What, what, what even is this? Why are we even doing this? Um, but it is important uh, that we do. Um, like I said before, there's consequences. You know, you can get a ticket for doing something else stupid. You can hurt somebody. Um, but this verse here in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, it says, Surely you know that when you give yourselves like slaves to obey someone, then you are really slaves of that person. The person you obey is your master. You can follow sin, which brings spiritual death, or you can obey God, which makes you right with him. And guys, what this passage tells me is you're going to yield to something. You know, you've heard the passage that says you can't serve two masters, you can only serve one. You can't serve God and money. Um, but you're going to yield to something in your life, whether it's going to be sin, which brings spiritual death, or it's going to, you're going to yield to God, which makes you right with him. Which one sounds better to you? You know, I, I'm thinking about whenever you're yielding to oncoming traffic, you can decide to not yield, but you're probably going to get hurt. And we can decide to not yield to God, and that there's going to bring, there's going to bring some consequences to it. Um, in Psalms chapter 81, verse 11 through 14, this is what it says. It says, But my people did not listen to me. Israel did not want me, so, did not want me. So I let them go their stubborn way, and follow their own advice. Listen to this. He says, I wish my people would listen to me. I wish Israel would live my way. They think, man, I wish Nora would listen to me. I wish she would live the way I tell her to live. But God says, man, if only Israel would listen to what I have to say, if they would only yield to me and obey, things would be different. This is what he says after that. He says, then I would quickly defeat their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Have you ever wondered what would happen like if you didn't yield all the time? Guys, whenever we yield, there's things we avoid. There's things in your life, because you yield to God, because you surrender to God, there's things you can avoid. There's collisions. There's, there's messed up stuff in your life that you can avoid uh, having to go through. Um, see, when you don't fully surrender to God, things get a lot harder. You know, you think about uh, Jonah. Whenever he didn't surrender, things got a lot harder. He was in the fish. Um, you think of uh, Ananias and Sapphira. You know, they didn't. They obviously weren't yielding. They were holding money for themselves, and God strikes them dead. You think of um, the prodigal son. He didn't. He wanted what he wanted, and he left. Um, when we don't yield, when we don't give God His way, uh, things don't end, end nicely. I can think about my life and how many times I didn't yield to God, or I didn't yield in general, and. I reaped the consequences because I got in a big hurry and I didn't take my time. And I didn't, I didn't uh, yield to what God wanted for my life. But the cool thing about yielding and surrendering to God is you can relax. You're not in control. There's still going to be things in your life that aren't fun, that aren't fun to deal with. But you can rest easy because you know He's in control. You know that He's got your back. In First John chapter two, verse seventeen, this is what it says. It says. The world and everything that people want in it are passing away. But the person who does what God wants lives forever. 
And um, guys, there's benefits. When you yield to God, uh, life can be a lot easier and a lot different. It doesn't mean you're going to not have any problems. You're not going to have to go through anything hard. It just means you're going to be able to go through things with God um, when you yield His way. So what should I yield to um, when it comes to my life? The first thing I've got is I must yield to God's will. I have to yield to God's way. I've been talking about this a little bit already. Um, but whenever you think about God's will, when you think about God's way, there's a few different things that I thought of. The first thing is God's guidance. I have to listen to God's guidance. I have to listen to His Word. Um, what is He saying to me? What is He thinking? Like, How would He want me to go about this in my life? What is His perspective um, when it comes to this part of my life? Um, the second thing is, and Mike talked about this last week, but God's work. You have to yield to God's work. If if you fight against God working in your life, you're, where are you going to get? You're not going to grow. You're going to be fighting God's God's work to mature you, and you're not going to get anywhere. Um, so what is God doing? What is He changing in you? That's the kind of thoughts that I had there. We want to yield to those things. We don't want to refuse them. The last thing I had was God's will also means yielding to His purpose. You know, He may have things in your life that He wants to do through you, and if you don't yield to those things, if you're just concerned with what you want to do, you're going to miss out on a greater purpose. You're going to miss out on, on what He could use you for. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6, it says, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Man, if I could get that right, if I could just trust God and yield to Him with my whole heart, I think things would be a lot better. Um, it says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. Remember the Lord in all you do and He will give you success. Again, guys, whenever you yield to God, He's going to give you success. He's going to bless your life. It may not look the way you want it to, but He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of your needs. The second thing that we have to, that we should yield to, and I must yield to, is I must yield to others. Now, yielding to God is one thing, okay? I, I, can, I can understand that. I can get behind that. But yielding to other people? Uh-uh. That's hard, right? It's hard. And we don't want to give up our way. We don't want to have to listen to somebody else tell us what to do at times. Um, so I've got to ask you, are you somebody that's easy to work with? Are you somebody that yields to people? Are you a team player? Um, or are you always fighting for your way? What kind of person are you? Do, you? do you resist and insist on having your way? Or are you somebody that's going to yield? Um, in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Love each other in the way that makes you feel close, like brothers and sisters. And give each other more honor than you give yourself. As to yield to somebody, it means I've got I to gotta put them above me. Not just equal, but I've got to put them above me. I've got to give them more honor than I want. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul talks and he says, Do not be interested in only, do not be interested, interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. And like I said earlier, guys, we get so caught up in our own lives that we forget there's other people on the road, you know, metaphorically. But there's other people living their lives and we forget. We get so caught up in our families or our jobs and we forget about our neighbors. We forget that there's needs right in front of us that we're not even thinking about. We're not even thinking about how we could help somebody else because we're too caught up. And then later in verse 14, he says, Do everything. I put that in bold caps on my notes. <laughs> do everything without complaining and arguing. Man, if I could do that, I would. I think things would really change for me. Um, to not complain. I mean, whenever we had that hotel, I mean, it was really hard not to... Not to complain, right? I mean, several of you probably that you that were there probably remember me saying something about it. You know, we they gave us a trash bag. You know, I'm just sitting there complaining. And uh, if I could just find a way in, in my heart to not complain about everything or argue, I think God would be able to bless me a lot better. Um, I've got some bullet points here. If you want to write them down, you can. These are just uh, 
Surrendered hearts show up best in relationships, and these are some ways that you can know if you have a surrendered heart or not. Um, the first one is you're not self-serving. So you're not trying to get what you want. You're, you're looking out for other people's needs. Uh, the second thing is you don't edge others out. You're not trying to get your way. You're not trying to find, you know, manipulate the situation and, and find a way to get what you want. Uh, you don't demand your rights. You know, well, I, I'm an American. I, I have rights. You know, you're, you're not trying to put that on anybody. You're trying to just, you're, you're more about what is right, not who's right, that kind of thing. Um, another thing is you won't try to manipulate others. And you won't force your agenda or control the situation. Um, if we're going to yield to other people, we, we can't, I mean, that, that, there's no way we can do those things, right? And that's hard. That's really hard for us to hear. That's hard for us to do, um, to yield to somebody else, to give somebody else control of the situation. That's really hard for me at times. Um, but it's important that we do because God calls us to. And if we're going to yield to God but not His people, what does that say about our faith? What does that say about what we really think about God? Um, so I want to spend the last part of, of, of my lesson uh, just talking about um, yielding to my life, yielding my life to God, and what does it mean? And the first thing I've got is yielding my life to God means following God's lead. You know, whenever you're whenever you're going to an intersection where there's a yield sign, you if if you think you can control a situation and you can just go in whenever you want, things aren't going to end the right. They're not going to go well, right? You're going to get into a big problem. I was thinking about uh, how many times I've argued with my GPS. Have you guys ever argued with your GPS? Um, I have several times, especially when I'm riding with my dad during work because he tends to miss turns or stuff like that. But anyways, um, I was thinking about how you know we follow our GPS sometimes and, it, and we end up feeling like we're lost when we're really not. GPS knows where it's going. Either we've typed something in wrong, we've missed a turn, or something like that. But we have to follow the lead or we're not going to get where we're wanting to go. And whenever it comes to our relationship with God, if we don't follow God's lead, if we don't let Him have His way, if we don't yield or give way to Him, we're never going to have a shot. Guys, and I want to ask you right now, whenever you think about your relationship with God, are you really giving Him His way, or have you deceived yourself into thinking that you have? And that's hard. That's hard to figure out. But guys, sometimes we deceive ourselves into thinking, yeah, God's, God's got His way in my life. He's first in my life. But in, re- in reality, when it comes down to decisions that we make on a daily basis, we have a hard time really giving Him His way. We like to take things and, and do them the way we want to. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 25, it says, Then Jesus said to His disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must give up your own way, guys. You've got to yield your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Guys, Jesus says we've got to give up our life. We have to yield our way to his Father's way. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, So brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him. Offering your life as a living sacrifice doesn't sound like there's much of a debate, right? There's not, there's, there's no wiggle room. You have to, you have to offer it as a sacrifice. Um, I think about the verse when Jesus says, "Not my will, but yours be done." You know, there's, there's things like that where Jesus, Jesus is very clearly yielding to God and His way and, and His power, and uh, it's important, guys. We have to, we have to yield to His. We have to let Him. We have to follow His lead. Um, in Mark chapter 14, verse 36. This is Jesus talking in, in, the, in the garden before he gets crucified. He's, he's talking to God. He's praying. He says, Abba, Father, 
You can do all things. Take away this cup of suffering. But do what you want, not what I want. As he's asking God, take this situation. I, I don't want to be in this. This is, this is suffering. This is pain. This is, this is hurt. I don't like it. Take me out of it. But if it means doing your will, do it. Do what you want, not what I want. And guys, that's the kind of heart we have to have if we're going to be yielding to God's way. Um, in John chapter 5, it says, I can do nothing alone. I judge the way I am told. So my judgment is right. I don't try to please myself. I try to please the one who sent me. Guys, Jesus is the best example of surrender. His whole life, the whole time he was here, all he was trying to do was please his master. All he was trying to do was please God and, uh, and live his way. He was yielding from the beginning to the end. Um, so I was trying to think of, like, what is the key to, to yielding? Because I feel like whenever I was writing this lesson, I was having a hard time. You can ask my dad. This was a little more challenging for me. And I, was, I knew what I wanted to say, but I didn't know how to say it. Um, and I, I felt like there was only really one big point. Um, so what I've got here is the key to yielding is I must break my pride. Yes, you've got to pump the brakes with your pride. If you're going to follow God, you're going to follow his lead. You have to kill the pride in your life. Um, at first I had, I must hijack my pride. Because I think in a lot of ways, our pride, it's, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to just break your pride. You have to hijack it sometimes. You've got to get really serious about not having your way. You've got really, to get really serious about your pride. It's deceiving. You know, I was, uh, my dad told me a story whenever he went to New York one time. And uh, I think it was, if I remember right, it was when the first double uh, drive through at McDonald's came out. And he said they were, he was, he was behind this car and there was a couple cars trying to get in and, uh, and they were like, I guess fighting for, for the next spot. And they were like inching, inching, inching. And eventually their bumpers touch. And my dad goes, oh no, is this gonna get better or worse? Well, it got a lot worse because they just went <laughs> straight through the drive through. And guys, we can't even yield at a drive through. I mean, goodness. Uh, have you ever been, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You go to the drive-thru and you're at, you, you, you want to get in the next spot. And um, why is it that we, we hold on to our pride so much? We want to have it our way. You know, we hear all these slogans from uh, restaurants or, you know, d- different businesses, have it your way or you know, just stuff like that. Like, it, it, that's the culture that we live in is you need to have it your way. Do it the way you want. If it feels right, do it. Guys, that's not how God is. He says, take your pride off the table. You know, we hear people say, swallow your pride. Well, if you just swallow it, that means it's just sitting right here, right? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> but if you actually get rid of it, if you kill it, then it's gone. Um, it's easy to sneak up. But, guys, we have to, we have to radically deal with our pride. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says, So put away all pride from yourselves. You are standing under the powerful hand of God. At the right time, He will lift you up. Guys, we've got to put it away. It has to be gone. If we're ever going to be able to follow God's lead, we have to put away our pride. In Proverbs, these are a couple of verses I got from Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, it says, When pride comes, then comes dishonor. But with the humble is wisdom. With the humble is wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23, it says, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Guys, where are you at with your pride? Are you just letting things go? You're just, just being, you know, you, you want everything you can get, and you're, you're not going to let anybody tell you different. You know, no one can talk you in. 
not even with Scripture. They can't even help you see something. You're just so hell-bent on having your way. You're just ignoring it. Guys, you got to break it. you got to break that pride. That's the first step. So yielding my life to God means following God's lead. The second thing it means is I'm, I have to wait. I'm waiting on God's timing. Guys, if breaking your pride and following God's lead isn't hard, waiting on God is really hard. It is. I can't tell you how many times I've waited on God and it's, it's been painful. Um, we have to be patient. And waiting on God means you have to wait without knowing when it's going to happen. There's so many unknowns. Um, whenever you think about a, a yield sign again, you're sitting at, a, at an intersection with a yield sign, um, there's going to be times where it's a stop and go real quick, right? Like where you stop and then you go. There's other times where you sit there longer than you would sit at a stoplight. Because there's so much traffic coming through. You know the spots in, in our town. But there's, uh, there's sometimes God's going to say, you need to wait a little bit longer. You need to wait for me to do some things, for me to reveal some things um, in your heart before you can proceed. Um, here in Psalms 37, this is what it says. is be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. I feel like there's somebody here this morning that needs to hear that. You need to wait patiently. God's going to do something. You just need to hang on and wait. In, Pro- in Romans chapter 12, it says, Be happy because of the hope you have. Be patient when you have troubles. Are you going through some troubles? Guys, I've been going through, I, I feel like I've been going through some stuff the last couple of weeks. Um, we've recently had, had some, some people decide they're not going to be disciples in campus, that kind of stuff. Like, it's just, it's, it's like really messed with me, and I've been feeling like I've been in this weird funk. This says, be patient. When you're in troubles, when you're going through a hard time, be patient. And then he says, pray all the time. One version said, continuously pray. And I'm thinking, man, I don't, I don't pray enough at all. I don't use my time when I'm waiting to pray. I use my time waiting to complain. I use my time waiting to think about the waiting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I've fasted before, and I, all I've done when I'm fasting is I, all I do is thinking about, man, I'm really hungry. That's all I think about. That's all I think about. Uh, but other times, whenever I've taken it seriously and I've taken that time to wait and fast and to actually think about what is God trying to reveal through this time in my life, I've, it's been a growing opportunity. I didn't waste my time. God was able to work. Um, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, this is one of my wife's favorite passages, but it says, Since we have been made right with God by our faith, we have peace with God. This happened because our Lord Jesus Christ who through our faith has brought us into the blessing of God's grace that we now enjoy. And we are happy because of the hope we have of sharing God's glory. We also have joy with our troubles. And we were just talking about you're joyful in your troubles. That's sometimes hard to understand. How can I be joyful in a moment of chaos? How can I yield and let God have control and wait in a moment where it's so difficult? Then he goes on to say, he says, because we know that these troubles produce patience. And patience produces character. Guys, if we were more patient, our character would change. We would grow. We would take advantage of those moments instead of just belly aching the whole time, as my dad would say. Uh, so patience produces character, and character produces hope. And this hope will never disappoint us. Because God has poured out His love to fill our hearts. He gave us His, lo- His love through the Holy Spirit whom God has given us. And guys, what I just want to ask you, when you're waiting on God, if you're waiting on God, what are you using that time for? Are you just complaining? 
Or are you looking for the opportunity that God's trying to give you? Are you, are you using that time to grow your patience? I can think about so many times I've, I've had to wait on God, but really all I did was complain. And I missed out on growing opportunities. I missed out on opportunities to grow my character or my patience. Um, I spent more time talking about the waiting than I did talk about what is God trying to do in my life. So we have to take advantage of that. Um, so again, if I'm going to yield to God, it means it means following God's lead. It, may, it means waiting for God's timing. But it also means trusting God's purpose. And if those first two weren't hard for you, this one's going to be extremely hard. It's, it's going to be hard. Because if if... If I don't know what's happening, because trusting God's purpose means not knowing the circumstances. It means I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what He's doing. I, I don't, I'm dark. It, it's, it's all unknown. I have no clue what God's trying to do through this. In Matthew 26, verse 42, it says, My Father, if it is not possible for this painful thing to be taken away from me, and if I must do it, I pray that what you want will be done. He's saying, I don't understand why I'm going through this suffering. But if it means pleasing you, please don't take it away. You talk about a yielding spirit, guys. When we're going through something hard, if we could, if we could understand that, if we could decide, regardless of what I'm going through, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to yield to your way. You have the lead. Even though I don't know why. Even though I don't understand it. I trust your purpose. You know, you think of that song, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what the Lord has prepared. But by His Spirit, He has revealed His plans to those who love Him. His plan to those who yield. Because when you yield, God will reveal Himself. You'll be able to see things you never saw before. In John chapter 13, verse 7, Jesus replied, He says, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And He's talking about the crucifixion. He's talking about what's going to happen. And... Um, it would be so hard to, you know, just imagine you're one of the disciples, you're, you're, you're working with Jesus. Man, that'd be awesome, right? <laughs> but you're working with Jesus and, uh, he's talking about, well, one day I'm gonna be gone. They're gonna crucify me and now it's, it's gonna be your turn. That would be hard to understand. Why would, why would they do that? Why, why is that a part of God's plan? Why would God want you dead when you're preaching the good news and you're here to bring the kingdom? That doesn't make sense. But Jesus says, one day you'll understand. And guys, I can think about looking back at my life, and you guys can do the same thing. You look back at your life, and there's things you went through, and you didn't understand at the time, but now you look back and you say, man, God really produced some things in that situation. Or, man, I wish I would have taken advantage of that so he could have produced. I have more of those moments. But you can look back in your life and you can say, man, there was a, there was a purpose. Maybe God didn't plan this. Maybe he didn't make it happen. But he wanted to use it. And there was a purpose for me going through it. And he, and he wants to grow me and, and mature me. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 29, it says, We know that in everything God works for the good of those who love Him. They are the people He called because that was His plan. God knew them before He made the world. And He chose them to be like His Son so that Jesus would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. And guys, again, just to wrap up this series, I, I want to remind you that God puts signs in your life for your benefit. He puts things in your life. He, he, he nudges you or he'll, he'll put a roadblock up. Or, you know, we've talked about merging. We've talked about stop signs and, uh, and road construction. Guys, he, he puts these things in our life to benefit us, not to harm us. And 
I hope this series, guys, you've learned something. And maybe it's you've just, that whenever you're driving, you're reminded of things, which is, that's how I've been feeling. I've been reminded of things while I'm driving. But I hope that the Holy Spirit can, can give you a sign in your life, that, he can, that the Holy Spirit can nudge you and push you towards something. Um, like I was saying earlier, I've been going through this weird thing. Um, I don't know if Danny wants me to talk about it, but uh, okay. Um, I, I, like a week and a half ago, um, Ethan decided he didn't want anything to do with God anymore. And um, it's been really hard. And it's been really difficult to know how to love him and to get through it. And I haven't even talked about it a whole lot. That's probably why I'm a little messed up. But guys, he, he's made the decision. And one of the things he said was, you know, my life's a lot better now. And I thought, how can you say that? And what I realized was maybe Ethan never truly yielded. Maybe Ethan never really gave God control. And what I want you to think about, guys, is if you're not giving control to God, truly surrendering to God, you're fooling yourself. This is all fake. It's not real. You're not going to experience what God really has to offer. And one day you're going to think, you know what? That life's better. But you never really experienced it. And guys, I want to just challenge you. Yielding is important. You have to let God have control. Because if you don't, you're not going to experience what God really has. Like I said, you're going to be in a world where you think it's all rules. And it's not real. It's not real. And guys, God wants to give you something. He wants to benefit your life. He puts things there for you to help you. Not to harm you. Because, like I said, I hope this series has helped you realize that the Holy Spirit is working in your life to give you something, not to keep you from doing something that you want to do. <laughs> and guys, uh, that's really all I got. I'm sorry for getting emotional on you. I mean, you guys know we, we love our family a lot, and it's hard. You guys have had people in your life decide they don't want God anymore. It never gets old. Oh, I've been through that before. It should be easier the next time. No, heck no. It's harder. But guys, it, it drives me to make sure I'm yielding. Make sure I'm really living out what God has called me to do and not fooling myself. So God, guys, uh, let's pray. Um, you got a card in your bulletin. Um, I hope that you've heard something I've said through my mumbling, mumbling and jumbling uh, that God can reveal to you. Um, I'm going to pray. We're going to pass the baskets. Um, and then we'll move on with our service. God, I just pray... I just pray uh, that you can help me. God, I, I don't yield. I don't surrender enough sometimes. I only give you parts, give you leftovers. I'll yield when I really have to, when I have to depend on you. But you call me to yield at all times. And God, I pray that I can be a man, a husband, a father, a friend, God, that I can be the person that you call me to be, that I can yield and I can give you control. I can show people what it is to really surrender, that they might get a taste of what it's really like to be in your presence. 
And God, uh, I pray that you know, we can give you the lead. We can be patient. God, we can wait when we don't want to. And God, that we'll trust you through it. God, that's, that's hard to trust sometimes. But God, I pray that we'll trust you even when we don't understand. And uh, just so thankful, God, that I have a family here that I can talk openly and that we can help each other. God, I love you. Praise the Lord. Amen.